Hello, everybody. This is Jared Van Vorst. And my name is Nathan McWhorter. And I'm Daniel Fagbui, and welcome to Table Talk Thursdays, where we field all your burning questions, and we'd love to hear from you. And we'll be doing this every single week. So please send in your questions to my email, which is daniel.fagbui at livechurchcanton.org. Look forward to hearing from you. Happy Thursday, my friends. It's your pal Sam here, coming to you live from quarantine 2020. Um, this is episode number two of Table Talk Thursdays on the podcast, and this episode is also available on Facebook. If you're not following uh, Life Church Canton on social media, you should go do that, especially right now as we are posting um, tons of content uh, during this time where we're all separated. So uh, just search uh, for Life Church Canton, and you'll be able to find our page there on Facebook. Um, this episode, we weren't able, obviously, to get together to record this, so um, Jared was the only one who has a microphone that was able to be used for this, so Daniel and Nathan's audio is just um, the speaker, the, or, excuse me, the microphone from their computer, so it's not the greatest, but um, it's still something. Um, if you want to see the video, again, you can go watch it on Facebook, but uh, without further ado, here is episode number two of Table Talk Thursdays. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Uh, I am hoping that you're watching. Before we get started, I have a really important question. You know, I, I get talk a lot, so I need something to drink. And I have two options for you. And uh, I will drink whichever one you vote in the comments for me to drink. The first one to 10 comments wins. Uh, and, and Jared and, and Daniel aren't allowed to comment. First one is LaCroix. Key Lime LaCroix, the best LaCroix that there is. I either am going to drink that. Or it's, we're going to get excited, and uh, I'm going to drink some Mountain Dew Zero. So you get to decide what kind of Nathan you get during this. Uh, first to 10 comments wins. <laughs> oh, man, that's too funny. We, we decide which Nathan we get. Sweet. Uh, well, welcome, everybody, to uh, Table Talk Thursdays. Um, I am Daniel here, one of your pastors here at Life Church Canton. Excited to be with you. Table Talk Thursdays, where we get to field any and all of your questions. Whether there's questions about the most recent sermon, or questions about theology, questions about life, you can bring all your questions. You can even try to stomp the pastor if you want to. This is a great opportunity for us to hang out and fellowship even online. Uh, remi reminder that questions are due in by Wednesday, so you can email me at Daniel. Fagbui, um, F-A-G-B-U-Y-I, at lifechurchcanton.org. Um, so feel free to send me your questions. We will also be paying attention to live questions. So if you've got some live questions, feel free to shoot them our way, and we will do our best to answer them from God's word. Um, and also, uh, just want to remind you that on Tuesdays, keep, eye, keep an eye out for Pastor Nathan's uh, weekly updates. Uh, that'll be sent to your email as well. And I think it'd be a great opportunity for you to just see what's going on with the church and also pray for the body, pray for the church. We've got people who are quarantined um, because they're waiting on results. So pray that God would look kindly on them and that it would be, uh, I guess, negative results, uh, negative outcome. Uh, also pray for those who are in shelter in place, which is all of us, but especially those who cannot earn income during that time. 
who are uh, unable to earn income. So please keep them in your prayers. And also pray for those who are ill, uh, not just because of COVID, but there are many who are in the hospitals for bronchitis, pneumonia, and any other disease right now, even in our church body and even in the world, uh, which puts them at a higher risk for this uh, virus that's going around. So keep them in your prayer. Also, speaking of at risk, keep the elderly in your prayers and those who have pre-existing uh, conditions. So just keep those people in prayers and for the unity of God's people. Pray that God will use this opportunity to be able to show people uh, just the fickleness and the uh, just the fleeting nature of life so that we can do the best with what we have. So I will have Pastor Jared pray for us um, briefly and uh, we will dig in. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for an opportunity to come together in this uh, new and creative way. And uh, we are excited about your resurrection power uh, because that's why we exist. And that is what is going to give us the ability to turn the corner in our minds and our hearts um, and our souls. And so help us to do that well. Um, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Uh, all of the situations that Pastor Daniel mentioned, um, job loss, sickness, anxiety even, uh, God, we lay that at your feet. Uh, you say, cast all your cares on you and you will care for us. And, uh, and so God, we are looking to your care, uh, to your spirit's presence. Um, God, I pray for all of the people that are watching right now and commenting. Um, and, uh, and I pray that uh, they are encouraged by this experience in this conversation. And um, God, that we are um, submitting our lives to you in a brand new way. Uh, so help us, Lord. We need your help. We need your spirit's presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Well, I am here with a couple of my my best buds now. Uh, we have become family, and I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for your heart for ministry. And uh, we are here with Pastor Nathan and Pastor Jared. How are your brothers doing? Doing okay. I just saw my dad is uh, is is on here. So hi, dad. So I got to watch what I say. Um, so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll do it. All right. I, it's a, it's been a crazy, crazy um, time here and uh, busy, busy, busy. And scheduling is so important when you have a full house, but I'm doing great. I'm glad to be with you guys today. Uh, can't stand right next to each other, but uh, we're, we're together in spirit. Amen. Amen. Social distance and all right. It'd be interesting. Um, but glad to have you, brother. So, yeah, you kind of alluded to that, uh, Pastor Nathan. How are you coping in the midst of COVID-19 and sheltering in place with family? How is that going? Yeah, it's uh, well, it's a lot. I'll talk a little bit in my sermon, but it, I think first week I talked about patient kindness and good gravy. I'm having lots of opportunities to be patiently kind as well as my family is being patiently kind with me. And so I know a lot of you are getting a lot of opportunities for that. It was uh, so on point and ready for us. And, and I needed to hear it just as much, I think, as our church did to be patient and kind. I'll talk a little bit more, but in the midst of this, I decided to uh, redo my, uh, my floors. It was uh, 300 square feet of tile that had to be removed and reinstalled. And it is by far the slowest thing I have ever experienced uh, in the midst of having an overfull house. Uh, I am learning how to be constant in the midst of this and uh, also how much I dislike flooring. Yeah. <laughs> well, way to, way to use your time 
as best as you can, brother. You're making me look bad. I hope my wife isn't watching this. Um, <laughs> way, to, way to maximize your time. Pastor Jared, how are you doing? How's family? Yeah. How are you guys hanging through this shelter in place? And if I'm not mistaken, you're an introvert like me, right? I am very much an introvert. Yeah. So, so, so how much grace has God given you in this <laughs> in this time? It's, it's funny because uh, people assume that, um, you know, because of the social distancing, that introverts are fine and that we're good mm. to go and we we don't have to hang out with anybody we do love people don't get me mistaken we uh we just don't have the energy to hang out with a lot of people all at once at a very long period of time but then when you have a young family uh and you don't get to hide into a room and um and them not find you so you have to you have to get creative with your introversion but i would say our family's doing okay overall i have a huge, huge appreciation for teachers. Our, our kids are all uh, elementary age. And um, I get to come to work most days and not even think about what hap- what what's going on in my, my kids' classes. And so uh, I want to give all the props out to the teachers yeah. uh, who, who care for our kids in that way. And then, um, and then our life kids people too. I, I don't know. This is a shameless plug. Our life kids, people, and uh, some material out there uh, to try to uh, encourage young families with with kids and uh, help them grow in their faith too. So um, we got an opportunity actually as a family to participate in some of that, and so that was fun. But we're doing okay. We're doing all right. Good, good, good. Well, shout out to Life Kids and all the other wonderful folks who are still doing great ministry. Super thankful for us um, and what yeah. we're doing and yeah, great stuff. Wait, well, I have to shout out. Uh, Jared and his family, you know, since we were talking about it, uh, my, my kids thought that their family devotional with life kids was just absolutely hilarious, <laughs> especially the outtakes at the end and the sound effects. I mean, <laughs> I was like, I was like, whoa, this family, it was really, really good. And uh, also, if you're looking for bottled water, apparently they have all of it in camp. Yeah, no comment. Sorry. Good to know. How about uh, toilet paper? How's that go? No, we're we're you know just we're not hoarding it. We have. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. We know what it's like to have much, and we know what it's like to have little, as Paul said. Right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But now, right now, you know what it's like to have lots. <laughs> that's what you said. Okay. We have just Got enough. It. Just enough. Well, so far, so far, it looks like a a, whole, a gang of us, and I use that word on purpose. Are going to show up at Pastor uh, Alex's house to, yeah. to get his toilet paper. And then we'll be coming to your house next to, to handle some of that uh, some of that good old water. What okay. you got over there, fascinating? Something we can come over and and borrow? No, I just have Mountain Dew and Lacroix, and I've got two we, votes for Lacroix right now. Uh, first, first to ten votes, uh, I will drink it. Um, so I, I'm thirsty. So get get voting. I, some people are like, really, you're cho- choosing between Key Lime Lacroix and Mountain Dew Zero. These are terrible, but both of them make me happy. So. Whichever. Vote now. Amen. Cool. All right. Well, listen, so we can spend time just catching up on life, I'm sure. Um, there is um, just a lot of moving parts uh, with this new thing. And well, so I don't leave myself out because I have a habit of doing it, asking the questions and not answering them myself. So for us, we've, it's, it's similar. I'm an introvert, so it's been interesting. Um, it's been, one, interesting to be in the house, close in proximity, but be working. Um, and, and so having to sort of try to manage that well, so I'm not just, you know, 
working and, and, and quarantining myself in this little room um, away from family. So that's been interesting. But I'm looking forward to taking some walks in the next few days if we can and just uh, hanging out with family. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, so we are hey, shelter in place, brother. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You're right, uh, Jared. We, we introverts don't hate people. Um, per se. Uh, per se. But we, <laughs> we, just, we just find our energy yeah. uh, in sometimes being alone and re-energizing. So good. Well, our first question is, what is the plan for Easter services at Life Church? Let me throw that over to you, Pastor Nathan. What is the plan for Easter services at Life Church? Oh man, I I, I uh, I'm excited about the plan for services this weekend. Mm. Um, I, but I, as well, and and that's kind of our philosophy going forward is is we're creating new experiences every week and adjusting uh, between last week and this week uh, to to what's going on. So the creativity I think is going to continue to to grow. Um, we got some cool things planned that we're going to try to pull off. The plan for Easter right now um, is to have a, a live service at nine thirty. <clears throat> And to do as great a job as we can possibly do, and uh, we will try to get out information if anything changes from that plan. Uh, but I want you to know that we've been really uh, cooking up some creative ideas. I want to say that we're in the series Cross Equals Love, and and what I'm going to be talking about over and over again is is that we have talked about this being a series about evangelism, and you can do that by sharing things like this live post, an event that's coming up, by tagging people, by inviting people to our online experience. We're having new people show up every single week. And so I, I want you to imagine who could be uh, a part of the Easter gathering on Facebook Live to jam it full of people. And then we'll be speaking directly to those people who are new or maybe have never been to church before. Now, Easter is gonna be an experience um, like what we've done in the past with creativity and excitement. And so I'm hoping um, to tell you more information as we get closer, but the creativity of my creative team, uh, the worship team, Sam and, and Steven is incredible as well as all the people working hard. Uh, I'm excited about what digital can do and, and what we can do together. And, uh, and though we're not going to be able to meet together on Easter Day, I do believe we're going to be able to do something absolutely incredible. So I don't really have an answer for you. That was a very pastoral way of saying we'll have service. Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. No, that's good. Um, and, I, I, hey, man, just to Steve, Sam, the whole team, just, man, it looks so good. Last Sunday was awesome. Um, and it, it's just a joy to see how uh, things that didn't exist two weeks prior brought together to exist. Uh, and so thankful for those brothers. Um, so, okay, cool. And our next question is, I have heard, someone says that I have heard that the staff has a code, just like the church has a code. So there's a staff code and there's a church code. They want to know if that's true. And then they also want to know what that code is. So this is like a three for one. They want to know what the code is. They want to know if the code exists, what the code is, and how that code has, the has affected and shaped the staff. So what we're going to do is we're going to go uh, sort of, alter we're going to alternate. So I'll take one, you take one, I'll take one. But I want to pass to Nathan to just speak a word about uh, just the code itself. This is, in a sense, in many ways, something that, God placed in your head and you have just sort of seen materialize. It's one thing to have a dish or a painting in your head. It's another thing to put it out and then see it materialize. So talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah. Wow. You know, one of the incredible experiences I've had is being able to work at some other churches ahead of time and, and try some things out and experiment. And then coming here, being able to bring them a little more fully fleshed out. And one of them is this code process. Now, you know, we have a church code and you can go back to this is us and, and check out what each of those code statements mean. It's an incredible series. It'll help you understand and those is on the wall. But a lot of people don't know is that we actually created a staff code first, that this took over a year to build the two codes out. Both have six statements, both build on each other. And uh, I I used it as a way of getting to know and helping the staff uh, define what made them unique and what's going to drive us forward. You know, what has made for 16 plus years the staff unique? And when I'm coming in as a lead pastor and I have, you know, 20 something people to get to know and a whole culture to get to know, my job I felt was to help people dive into what it means to be a staff at Life Church. What makes us unique? What makes us good? And for some that are, that are there, that first meeting, when we sat down and said, what makes us unique as a staff? It was a hot mess of awesomeness. And we were all talking about things all over the place. But over the course of months and refining, we were able to narrow it down together to these different uh, code statements. And that process allowed us to start the process over with the church code statement with the LT later. And that's where we got our uh, church code. But the staff code is what what is uniquely us and what is our ultimate goal as a staff. And, and it's been an incredible process. I, I got to know the staff so well, and I'm so pleased um, with what we came up with. I'll tell you a little bit of how we use it. So everyone who gets hired, uh, both Daniel and Jared, were while we were creating this, were being evaluated on whether they fit into our staff code, uh, whether they knew it or not. Some of them actually laid it out to them and they weren't actually fully formed yet, but they were evaluated on that. We want to make sure that people fit our culture um, and, and what's most core about us while bringing their own u- uniqueness um, to, to the table. We also use it as a way of encouraging each other all of our goals here, like the things that we are measured by as staff, are based on the code. We have to have six different goals based on the code. So it really drives us forward. We're measured on how well we do that. Um, and we also have these uh, these group of staff members called Codies. That's what they named themselves. And they keep all of those codes in front of us. So they'll do fun things, exciting things. Like right now on our refrigerator, we have the six codes up there. And then we have little magnets with everybody's face on there and little notes. And whenever you see someone doing one of these codes, they put their face on there. Uh, and the best part is when someone includes a note. And it's a way of encouraging and keeping in mind our goal is what our biblical mandate is to equip people to do works of service. And uh, you, you see there's just a lot of similarities between the staff code and the church code. Thanks for sharing that. So we're going to take these one by one, man. When I first heard the Cody's, man, I was like, is there a gang in Life Church? We're kind of, <laughs> the Cody's are coming. It's like, are they? And they're the most sweetest people ever and loving people. So it was good to to, to just see them um, really own this. So there are six of them, of course. And so the first one, the sort of foundational um, one for the staff is grace plus truth equals trust. That, this resonates with me hugely because even prior to Life Church, 
one of the things that I, I'm always passionate about talking about is how Jesus came with grace and truth, right? You see that in John chapter one, he comes with those two things. Um, and I love how Life Church has sort of embodied that where there's, a, there's an atmosphere where grace is given. Uh, not devoid of truth, right? Because when you have grace devoid of truth, you have a, a relationship that's enabling. You have a codependent relationship, an unhealthy relationship where people are allowed to just thrive in their in their vices. Or if you just have hard truth without grace in it, you have people who are hammering people, who are badgering people with information um, and conviction, which has its place, but they're not being loved through it. And so what I love about this code for me personally, and how it's really rocked me and I've seen it rock the staff is that we create an atmosphere where, where there is grace and, and people can be forgiven, uh, where we love each other, love for each other is given, uh, where the truth is spoken in a challenging way. Uh, because that's, you know, one of the things that the code actually says is that truth uh, is, is the is a major, or trust rather, is a major currency of any relationship, right? You don't have trust, you have nothing. And so being able to see those two things work together to create an atmosphere where we could trust each other uh, is, is super exciting, um, super, super just wonderful to see. So the first one, the foundational one, if you will, is grace plus truth equals. Yeah, I could take the next one. Um, and this one, I think, has applied significantly in the season that we're in right now. And I would say could apply to families at home, could apply to um, probably every workplace uh, right now. And um, it's one of my favorites. Every role makes us whole. The reason why I like this one is because as an introvert, as a fairly independently minded person, I, I can tend to just go off and do my own thing. And, um, you know, kind of, I, I don't need anybody else's help. And I've, I've kind of prided myself on that for, for probably too long. And, and now I'm having to unlearn some of those habits. Um, and so it's requiring me to not only learn from my coworkers, uh, learn what they're gifted at, but then utilize that and then help us to grow uh, each other. And man, this, this new season for us has absolutely required us to uh, depend on one another, or trust on one another. Uh, lean on one another and one another's gifts. And actually all of us have probably adopted new skills and abilities in order to move us and the church forward and, um, and take some risks, which that will come later. But um, it's, it's required me to think outside of myself in a whole new way uh, for the benefit of our staff in working together. Um, and I think, man, that could that could apply in our home life. That could apply in in other workplaces and organizations that are still working. I read an article about Ford now developing medical devices. I don't know a ton about their history and what they're doing, but now they're having to learn new skills and all work together and lean on each other, and um, and and they get better together as a result of that. Um, I'm curious how families are learning how to. Uh, if they have young kids or, or even older kids, maybe kids that are home from college, uh, that you're all having to become a team sort of and, uh, and have a new established set of values or codes within your family for how you're going to operate as a family so that you continue to love each other well in the midst of this. If, I'd just be curious if you do, um, if you're working through that as a family right now, just throw that in the comments right now because that could be an encouragement to us even as a staff and to the rest of the church and people that are watching right now. Brother, I got to say, man, it sounds like you have a, you have a radio voice. 
and now we're learning <laughs> your role too. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just yeah. the microphone. It, it it makes me sound <laughs> yeah. way cooler than I really am. Coming to you from WLLC. <laughs> uh, the most important thing about our time together today is uh, whether I drink LaCroix or Mountain Dew. <laughs> right now, the score is uh, LaCroix has five and Mountain Dew has seven. If we, uh, whichever quickly, you, you, it's it's up for grabs. It's the first one to it. Uh, so that's more important. Anyways, grace and truth plus equals trust and every role makes us whole. They go together. They, they talk about our our building block. It's it's how we as a staff continue to move forward. And as we switch off these first two into the next ones, we're starting to see our, our role as, as moving the church forward. And the next one's settle for better, right? So I, I love that idea, settle for better. So we don't settle, we settle for better. Um, and that could look like a lot of, of numbers and, and, and like, oh, we all in my word, numbers and, and and numbers do matter because they have names and names have stories and stories matter to God. But really what we're looking for is how do we do this in a more effective way? I think settle for better and the next one are the season we're in right now as a church. Uh, we are settling for better. I, a great conversation I had was on Saturday after we decided that we were going to um, we were gonna not have services in person, but then that decision was taken away from us anyways by the governor. We uh, had a conversation on Saturday. Saturday when we were going to have services and said, you have a job to do, staff. Uh, you have to love on students and kids and our small groups and community. And we have outreach to do, we have worship to do, and we have teaching to do. Uh, now we can't do it in person. I still have a job to do. What can we do better? How can we carry some of these things forward, which I don't want to get into too much because we'll talk about it. But settling for better is this idea that we're going to continually invest in our spiritual, emotional, and intellectual growth. Uh, because with Christ and, and our journey with him, we're never going to arrive. We're going to be in this constant state of growth. We're not going to sway to the cadence of complacency. I say that a lot. Like there's this song, right? And you can find yourself swaying to a song and all of a sudden you realize that you're in rhythm with, with complacency. Instead, we're going to move forward and we're going to make a new beat and uh, we're going to receive feedback and we're going to know that it's because we want to we wanna grow and, and settle for better in what God can do through us as a staff and as a church it's been exciting to see this it's a little bit of like it's okay to to not be hypercritical but to look at what we're doing and say we can through the power of god and the holy spirit we can do better excellent excellent yeah no um so the next one um so grace uh plus truth equals trust everyone makes us whole settle for better and then embrace risk I have to be honest that this one was the only one actually in the staff um, code that I had to double, triple take when I was reading it, even before being hired. Because um, as, as you brothers know, I spent most of my career uh, in the corporate world working in, in management and risk assessments and all that stuff. And that second part, the risk assessment part, if you've spent a large part of your career uh, avoiding risks, um, it's interesting to come to a place where it's like, no, embrace risk. Um, so that was interesting. But then when I started to read it and I started to realize what it was, I think risk gets a very um, bad rap in our society, right? Because people are very, um, you know, we'll say someone's risque. And it's not a sense of saying that they were doing something good. It's saying that they were taking probably inappropriate risks or ungodly risk or sinful risks. 
Um, but risks are different, right? And so uh, there isn't any, you know, the old saying, no risk, no reward. Um, and there's a sense where, you know, we have to sort of, and we've talked about this multiple times, redeem many of these uh, phrases and terminologies that uh, it seems like people have just co-opted and infused it with definitions that uh, are not good or, or, or unhealthy. And so there is a sense of risk, right? It's a risk in, in all of us, every single one of us who are here, uh, all of the teaching pastors, all of us had to take a risk and move into Michigan. Uh, there was a risk involved in that. There is a risk involved in that. We've taken risk in having children. We've taken risk in being married and, and trusting that that person that you're marrying is the person that they, they said they are and not their ambassador, right? Um, and so so this is what we are. And so I love this because uh, there's a uniqueness to this in, in our code that risk is not about being arrogant, but it's about being confident in the face of adversity. I love that because that's what Jesus calls us to be, to be courageous, to be meek. Meek is not the absence of power, but meek is power rightly harnessed. And so risk being backed by preparation, by prayer, by study, that's a transformational type of risk. And really it, it removes the, the sort of negative connotation of riskiness, right? Because if you've prepared and you're taking a calculated risk um, because you're looking at what's ahead of you and what's what's best in God, the glory of God, and, and we're going to move forward to, you know, life and, and, and multiplying and all that, but, but what's better to risk all things for than the glory of God and seeing God's glory uh, inform people and seeing people's lives transformed in a very foundational way and so i i'm excited about this it's interesting is um it's it's almost like a sense where that which was the first challenge has now become the thing that i embrace the most the sort of riskiness of it uh we talk about this um about me being the only african-american on staff there's a risk involved in that right there's a risk involved in, in being that person and it's a joy to see it when we start to really connect um we talk about it even in Bridge. We, we have this conversation over time. And so, again, not to belabor the point, but that one it resonates with me um, even more so than grace and truth uh, because of the fact that I feel like that's another level that God's building in my life personally, where I am embracing calculated, God-ordained, um, spirit-filled, uh, prepared and prayer-saturated uh, risks. That's good. Yeah, the next one is uh, to multiply yourself. So if you're familiar with the church codes, it's just simply multiply, um, not just multiply yourself, but just multiply. And so it can carry us, uh, carry us into a lot of different definitions and directions. Specifically on staff, we want to multiply ourselves. And there's, um, there's a caveat to that because uh, you kind of want to work yourself out of a job um, in a sense not to lose your job because if you are good at developing other people, you're going to get more responsibility. And so if you can build up others to take on things um, that they can, they can do maybe even better than you, um, then let them succeed, let them take it and run with it. And, um, and always be finding people to invest in and develop um, to, to continue to have that multiplying effect and to grow beyond just you. Uh, you're not the only one that can do your job. You are unique in in certain aspects, uh, but you have a responsibility to leave a legacy in a sense. And so um, I want to find people that I can build into. And so all of us on staff actually have a couple people or at least one person that we're investing in personally developing, discipling, to use the words of Jesus, um, so that we can 
uh, help them to become a better version of themselves. And they may step into similar shoes to what we're currently in down the road, or they might find something else um, that they're that they're good at in their sphere sphere of influence. Doesn't necessarily mean that whoever I'm developing is automatically going to be the next associate pastor necessarily, but they might have a lot of influence in their place of work. Uh, they might have uh, speaking engagements at board meetings or corporate meetings or of some kind that they're having to um, to teach something to somebody else, inspire somebody. I think about um, Jesus setting that model to multiply yourself. He's got 12 disciples and he's pouring his life into them. And um, he's a rabbi. And so they are called to follow him as their rabbi. They want to follow everything he does, even to the most minute detail um, in terms of how he drinks his water, in terms of how he sits down, in terms of how he teaches. And so they follow the rabbi so closely. Uh, so that they can imitate that rabbi and then multiply that influence and that legacy um, into their spaces and their world. I think um, they're, you know, the Daniel, the one that you just mentioned, embracing risk. If you're embracing risk and then you multiply yourself, there's a chance that you lose a sense of control. And so multiplying yourself is in and of itself a risk. So I think about Jesus sending out the 72 pretty early on in his ministry, 72, 72 people he sends out two by two to go and to, to minister to the surrounding area. And I'm like, oh man, I don't know. Like they don't even have a solid theology yet. They don't even know what they're talking about. Do they know enough Bible verses? Do they know how yeah, to do this seminary. thing? And yet he does it. Right. <laughs> yeah. They, they haven't done all of the things that they're supposed to do. And, um, and, and that's a huge risk. And yet they come back and they've got incredible stories to share with Jesus. And, and then he, he just affirms them. And so on a very practical level and a, uh, a current level, uh, I get to work closely with Abby Ironman and she is absolutely killing it in terms of multiplying herself, um, in our youth ministry, uh, our life youth and just developing people and taking risks and, um, and it's been fun to see her develop and grow in her ability to multiply herself. Um, so again, want to, want to leave it open for comments. I'm, I'm curious how, um, how you all, whether at work or at home, cause that's important too. If you have kids, it, you're raising up uh, a legacy. You're, you're passing something on, you're multiplying yourself and your kids or your coworkers. How is that going for you? What do you struggle with? What, um, what joy do you get out of that? Just go ahead and throw some comments in the comment section right now for that. Yeah, Jared, I, I'd say that this, this was the hardest one for us as a staff to develop. Um, it was such a core to, uh, to discipleship as we've talked about, this is the one that mimics uh, the church code the most. So multiply yourself and the church code is multiply. And this idea of discipleship has absolutely dominated every change that we have made moving forward and everything we'll do in the future. This idea about discipleship, about reproducing in others what God has put inside of you and getting the staff and saying to them, look, if you work yourself out of a job by finding, um, if you replace yourself, which is one of the early terms we used, if you replace yourself, you will always have a job here because that's our goal. Our goal is not to do 
the work of ministry, but to equip people to do the work of ministry. That can't come without giving people authority and power to do that. That can't come without investing in them. It can't come without discipleship, without humility. It is a hard one, but it is absolutely crucial moving forward. So just to review real quick, Grace and Brother, I need I need you to yeah. I need you to I need you to say that again. The Let's role again. of the church <laughs> is not to do ministry, but to equip people to do ministry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that's, like, in, that's that that's that's Ephesians, man. That's out of the Bible. I just that's Ephesians four. Which, by the way, our next series is going to be on Ephesians, and we're going to walk through it. And Daniel's losing his mind uh, because we're going to be we're going to be diving deep into Ephesians. Uh, but that's Ephesians that's is my natural Mountain Dew, brother. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of uh, embracing risk and settling for better, Mountain Dew has a new flavor called Mountain Dew Zero. Not to be confused with Diet Mountain Dew or regular Mountain Dew. And uh, I, I find it absolutely. Absolutely delightful, and um, it has one. So here's for everybody. Oh, oh! It even had like it's the sound of that. Out. It's just beautiful. I it's was addicted to Mountain Dew. Me too. Me too. Me too. I, I, Me I've too. sworn off it now. That is fantastic. I was addicted to Surge. You guys remember Surge? Oh, yeah. oh I dated yeah, myself. Boy. That was before yeah, energy yeah. drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just go flavor flame on me? Yeah, boy. But <laughs> well, Surge for one point in Ohio, I think was still out because they re-released it. It's out again. Uh, before all these energy drinks, like you couldn't get it in Ohio because they're like, "There's too much caffeine." Now we got energy drinks, and we just pump ourselves full of it. We had to like go to West Virginia for Surge, so it felt like this really special thing. Uh, anyways, <laughs> let's review it. We got one more. Uh, one more code, and it's the most important one. So the first one's grace and truth equals trust, which means we can have direct conversations with each other and love each other. And without trust, without safety in the fact that we trust each other to be real with each other and to love each other, we're not going to do any of this. As we build, we are able to embrace that every role makes us whole from our cleaning team uh, to myself. Every role is important and our uniqueness and our story can't be replaced. We continue to move forward from this base to the next two, which is settle for better and embrace risk. They go together. If you want to settle for better, you have to embrace risk, not to be afraid to mess up, to go after it together. And as we do that, something amazing happens. We're able to multiply ourselves beyond us. And then the last one, the last one's my favorite. And I have to do it with the fingers because uh, the staff has really gotten excited, but they do this, they go be the spark like this. And it's, uh, it seems weird, but again, culture, right? We start to create this culture and just be the spark. And uh, what that means is if there's a fire that's consuming us, right? If we're set aflame for God, if we're like a burnt offering, right? If that's who we are as Christians, yeah, then uh, our job to equip people to do the works of service is to spark them, to light them on fire in a way. And not, not, not literally, but spiritually, to be this little spark that goes out and, and lights on fire the gifts of people, the passions of people that unlocks their potentials to be the ignition, to, to be the, on the back, that little, the little thing that goes... You know, and the Holy Spirit, he, he is the one who's, who's the fuel. We're not the fuel. And so often churches make the staff the fuel. They're the ones who like get burnt out, right? You heard that staff getting burnt out. It's be, they're not supposed to, they're supposed to be on fire as Christian as an individual. 
jewel, but they're supposed to do it in a way that lights fires in other people. Can't do that without multiplying yourself. Can't do that without embracing risk and giving that away. Uh, we are seeing this happen constantly as we multiply. This year, I, I'm just so proud of my team because they've sparked new things in other people, uh, whether they're leading worship and kids ministry now or uh, anything you could possibly think of. We're sparking that from our amazing worship leaders, many of which are not paid, but are here living out their giftings, those going out into their businesses and making a difference. Um, it's not just in the church we spark things. It's in our lives. And I love it. I, I got, was honored because someone said, Hey man, the way you're leading through this, uh, this positively and seeing how to move forward is changing the way I'm going to work and seeing this as an opportunity for our business to get better. And whether that's working at home or better as digital teams or refining processes or getting rid of things, um, that makes my heart happy because I'm sparking something in someone that makes a difference for the kingdom. This code all together really allows us to know when we're winning and know what's most important. There's a lot of good things to do as a staff, but we want to be great. And, and if we're going to be great and excellent, it's because we have folks and everything we do feeds into this. And it's becoming just the way we talk uh, around um, the church. We talk about it and, and, and learn it and, and uh, we're still learning it. I have uh, staff meetings will come out and I'll put two triangles and say, hey, here's six staff code and six church code. Fill them all out. They have to be perfect. And the first time we get them all right and perfect at the same time, just writing it down, uh, we're going to go get ice cream. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Lactose-free ice cream, I assume. Lactose, gluten-free. Yeah, gluten-free. Gluten-free. Gluten yeah, corn syrup-free because we got Thank someone who's, who has corn syrup Peanut issues. Free. So. Yeah, that's no right. Milk-free. Um, Not dairy. oh well yeah it's good dairy free mm. cream free ice free air just pretty much air um, amen um, hallelujah um, <laughs> so I thought that that was awesome I'm glad that we were able to walk through um, all of that um, yeah it's exciting to actually just see us kind of unpack that a little bit so whoever asked that question um, hope that was sufficient. Uh, we do have a couple questions that did come in, uh, but we had another submitted question, and then we'll do any live questions. So, what this is per, this person asks, what positive things do you think will happen as a result of being quarantined? It's an easy question. If I've ever seen one, no, maybe. I think I think we're gonna have um, some Corona babies. And in the church, I think that's positive, you know, multiply, multiply yourself, you know, uh, I, I, like boomers, there'll be Corona boomers. I don't know. We'll see. Corona babies. What a name to give her baby. Corona baby. You know, you're a Corona baby. I think, uh, <laughs> I think Jimmy Fallon and John Legend in their uh, Zoom meeting together may have uh, coined that phrase, Corona baby. I can't be for certain on that one, but I, I saw their their little interview with one another. Because John Legend was coming out with a new album, and he said it's it's going to be for making Corona babies. All right, uh, interesting. Okay, yeah. so I should uh, I should I should move on uh, to the <laughs> the question. What positive things um, other than John Legend's album? Um, so actually, for those of you that don't know, we uh, we have a blog now that where we're just uh, riding. I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say you were expected. I was about to say, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> no. 
nope. Uh, we have a blog and uh, we try to just write about all different kinds of things. And, and actually there's going to be one, uh, I think it's already published, but it's coming out on Facebook on Friday. Um, and I, I wrote about this before this question even came up. So I'm just going to cheat and go to my answers already. Is there a possibility uh, that the church recaptures the heart of Sabbath? Um, repents of consumerism, finds creative ways to pursue uh, a greater sense of unity, uh, connects with their communities in brand new ways. Um, I thought about providing hope in the midst of mental and emotional darkness because I've seen a lot of people posting about their depression and what social distancing has done to them, uh, which is a whole nother world to experience. Um, becoming more generous, gen generous than ever before, um, continuing to choose justice over actions of hatred and bigotry that has come out as a result of coronavirus um, and how, the, how certain groups of people have been viewed as a result of this. Um, finding a new way to listen to God's voice and then renewing our hope in the resurrection power of Jesus. Can't forget that one because we are uh, just a short bit of way, a bit away from Easter. And that's what we celebrate, not bunnies and eggs, uh, but resurrection power. And uh, that has to be where our hope is uh, focused and renewed as, as followers of Jesus. So that, that those are just a couple of things that there's many more, but those are a couple of things that came to my mind as I was writing. Yeah. I think that's huge talking about the spiritual aspect and, and the church is going to survive and thrive in the midst of this um, on more of the practical side, the kind of steps we have taken forward with our digital um, uh, media and and as well as our worship experience are going to actually translate as soon as we come back uh, you're actually going to see a change in the worship center um, and the auditorium as well as well as our digital product is going to stay better and it's going to continue to do that our creativity in worship and in preaching i think has gotten a huge boost because we feel like we have this ability to to embrace some risk you know it, i've been telling people like Look, this is a thing that no one's ever dealt with before. It, it, pardon me, but if you don't, if you know football, it's almost like you're the quarterback and you see that the defense is offsides. You snap that ball and you, you've got a free play. You can chuck that ball and 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 go for it because you know if it doesn't go your way, the ball's coming right back to you. And in some ways, uh, when we all get a reset like this, we have a chance to relook at things and try something new. I love our church because they let us risk. They let us try things. And um, I think a lot of those things are going to stick and stay close. Uh, what we're doing online, um, how we're engaging, the way we use our tools, all those things are going to continue to grow. So as, as the practical side of things, uh, I'll just be frank on this one um, thing is huge. We were doing such a great job as a church in online giving and there are uh, churches right now who got all of their funds from passing the plate and they're struggling. And our leadership team is contemplating ways to help churches that are like that. But, but our church has done such a great job of embracing that. Uh, I would hope that when we come back, we continue that trend. And if you're thinking, what's the best way you can help the church? The best way you can help the church if you are giving online is to set up reoccurring givings from a checking account. Most people don't realize this, but if they give from a credit card, which we are fine, I, I mean, sorry, debit card, I prefer you not give off of credit, uh, but some people do that and then they get the rewards and all that. That's fine. Again, I, I don't 
care how you do it. But if you want your money to go to the best place, then setting up a checking account with reoccurring giving is, is the way that the most money actually gets to the, ch and we're not paying the credit card company for your gift. The hard earned money that you're giving to us uh, actually makes it to us and beyond and through us. Um, so I'm hoping to see that our reoccurring giving has uh, grown so that you know we could say that 80% of the gifts of the church are online. That positions us no matter what happens to make the most impact. I want to thank everybody. You are you are killing it um, compared to the way the rest of the church is, um, and I'm so grateful for you and how you're moving forward. I just encourage you to keep after it. It's allowing us to help people beyond us because when we come back, people are still going to be uh, getting sick, and we need to be able to be there to help them. But enough of that. I, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to say, Daniel. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think definitely what we've seen is the ingenuity that has come out of this season right so i think there's two ways i look at this uh i look at this from um augustine uh, one of this um old church men uh, would write about theology from above versus theology from below essentially he speaks of a theology from above is god-centered and a theology from below is human-centered right so i want to take it from both ends i think from a theology from above i think it's interesting to see people who who when church was open when you could worship didn't go to church and then now that they could not worship are like oh man i really wanted to go to church i've, I've actually experienced that personally with people and i'm like that's interesting so it sort of is a sense where when things like this happen the things we took for granted um, we get to see them and now maybe value them more, like our faith, our our perception of God, our understanding of God, uh, our our family. Even for me, um, you know, the the thought of not seeing my mother and father, or even my wife, you know, her mother having to go back to Arizona uh, just so that she doesn't get stranded here because of the virus. It, you start to see those things, and you're like, oh man, I've taken those things for granted. Um, and so I think these sort of calamities, these sort of happenings have a way of making the main things the main things um, and, and having you not no longer major in the minors, but major in the majors, if that makes sense. So there's that piece. <clears throat> and there's the other piece. And I don't know how true this. Well, I know how true it is because I did my research on it a little bit. And it's interesting that in the, uh, the, the quote unquote black plague of the 1600s, uh, uh, when Shakespeare was quarantined, he wrote one of some of the best pieces that he's ever written, right? He wrote King Lear, Macbeth, and Anthony and Cleopatra, all in the year that he was quarantined. Uh, Isaac Newton came up with many of his foundational theories, the theory of gravity, during that time of quarantine, to the point where when he left, he was just a freshman, he came back, he became a teacher, at the university because he had just so advanced during that year of quarantine. And, and I'm not saying that to say that, you know, every one of us is going to come out quarantine and then be just the best that you've ever been. But there is a sense of saying life is giving you lemons. It could be true, Jared. It could be. Life is giving you lemons. And man, why don't you make some good yeah. lemonade? Why don't you see what you could squeeze out of this time? Is that is there a book that
that you've been wanting to write, a, a theory you've been wanting yeah. to dig yeah. into? Yeah, is there, is, are, is there even scripture? You you know, many of us will say, I don't have time to get into God's word. Hey, Ray, hey, he, he, did, he created <laughs> some time for you right yeah. now. Um, and so, so, uh, so there is that sense of, man, like there's a lot that we can do to pace ourselves because here's the thing, man. One, one thing I've learned, cause this, this, this also kind of connects to you know, having vacation or taking time away before you sneeze, before you close your eyes, it's over. And, and maybe that's what happens in the season too, that, you know, this might be over sooner than later. This is our hope. This is our prayer. Uh, and, and, but we don't know what tomorrow holds, but what, what a joy it would be to say, I did not waste this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I remember, I remember, when I was younger, I, I realized that I spent a lot of time worrying about the next season, what's going to happen next. I was worried so much about where I wanted to be, and I lost sight of where I am. Yeah. And, you know, and this, this is the profound way it came to me was I was in traffic, bumper to bumper in D.C. streets, and I was looking way ahead at the cars in front because I wanted to navigate how I would drive. And what I realized is I almost crashed into the car ahead of me because I was so focused on the future. Mm. How many people are crashing now and imploding now because you're worried about the by and by and there's a presence right now. There's a, there's a time right now that you need to focus on what you have, maximize what you can do in this season because when you come out of it, you come out of it ahead better than anybody else. So there's a sense of just, man, focusing on God. Yes, fixing your eyes on the sovereign Lord of the universe. And that same God has told you not to waste your time because tomorrow is not promised. So I I would love to see that. I mean, one of my favorite Psalms when it comes to this is Psalm 39, four through five, where the psalmist says to the Lord, Lord, remind me of how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of a hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, it's just a breath. So the psalmist is saying, Lord, teach me and sort of awaken my mind. Make me sensitive to the fact that life is not promised and tomorrow is not promised. And all we have is today. Maximize your potentials even That's now. so good. Yeah. That's so good. Thanks for sharing that, um, Daniel. Thank you for your work on this as well as we've been preparing for this meeting and time together. It definitely is every role makes us whole. And what I love about our team is just the, the between the blog and the 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 table talk and and between my my sharing on Tuesdays and our sermons together and the worship team and and our kids ministry and student ministry. We're able to do things um, that we couldn't do on our own. What a blessing we have as a church. What a blessing uh, you guys are to me and to everything that we're doing. Um, I, I, am, uh, I am impressed, as always, by uh, just how God is continuing to work through each person. And for those listening here, whether it's live or listening on our podcast, because you might be listening on your podcast right now, um, I just I want to encourage you to share them. This makes a difference. When you share, there are things that people are willing to hear than ever before. And they're just going back to what I talked about at the beginning. Cross Equals Love series is about evangelism, and it's about sharing our story. Um, I, I just saw an article. I didn't have time to pull it up on the live feed, but I just saw an article about some of the people quarantined. This is a little uh, couple days ago. And, um, and it was one of the people in our church was 
and I'm not going to name them right now, but they were quarantined. The picture of the article was this individual standing inside of their house and looking out, looking out at the world, looking out at everything that's going on. And uh, they're wearing a cross equals, even though they were quarantined, even though they were in this place, and, and, and uh, they were able to still talk about the love of Jesus Christ and even show it to the world and give hope. And so I encourage you, you have a better, you the, the field, right? The field is ripe uh, for harvest. The, the crops are ready because people are open. You have an impact. You can do something. You can change the world and you can point them to the real hope, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I do want to say there is one question that came online. And I'm not, I'm not going to, I think it's going to be a disservice to answer yes or no to this question. Uh, but um, I, I'm sorry, and I'm trying to look at the name of the person that asked the question. But the question is, is it okay for Christians to have fear? So I'm not going to try to answer that now because it's a lot to unpack, right? We, we, this is not asking, the question is not saying, can Christians have fear? That's an easier question to sort of pithily answer. Uh, but is it okay? This is a, men, a sense of approval. So here's what I'm going to say. Next Thursday, God willing, as the old folks used to say in the Negro churches, if the sun don't rise and the creek don't rise, um, God willing, God willing, if the creek don't rise and the sun come up, uh, we will tackle this question first um, on, um, on, uh, on on next Thursday, God willing. Uh, but um, but in the interim, um, and I don't, it's not, it just is not because, I preached it, but we do have a message online on our, on our website uh, called, uh, I think, God's Presence in the Midst of Fear. We did a Daniel series. Um, and so I would, I would encourage you to watch that. Um, and then I would encourage you to even watch the entire Daniel series. I think we, that whole series was dealing with fear. In, in, in many ways. So that would be a great series for you to have. So there's, we don't need to reinvent the wheel on that end. But in terms of this specific question, we will answer that God willing on next Thursday. Well, our time is out. Uh, brothers, thank you so much. Any part? Any part of words? Nope. No, uh, we, we love, love you. We love you, Life Church, and uh, we are praying for you daily and thinking about how, uh, thinking about more creative ways that we can continue to support you and encourage you um, in whatever uh, part of this journey you're experiencing right now. So, God bless you. Yeah, I'm going to throw that link up to the message that you talked about, Daniel, which will then link you to the series as a whole. Um, and uh, you can go listen to Daniel talk more, experiencing God in the midst of our fear, as well as a, a link to our podcast. Uh, I, I'm just so grateful. I've said enough. Uh, thank you for joining us and being with us today. Thank you, guys. God bless and Godspeed.